Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, back from his work trip and uh, back on the podcast with us this week. Glad to have you back, Eric. Uh, and today we're going to be digging into my message from Sunday, which was about Psalm 27 and what it means to seek the face of God. Uh, one of the things that we are going to talk about is the fact that, you know, God's presence has a it has an impact on our lives. Um, and then how do we then go forth into the world and who has been the, who have been those people uh, that have, that have been a part of shining God's presence into our own lives. So let's get into it. Sounds good. You open the sermon with um, kind of, well, not really more of the service with, was it service or sermon? The service. Yeah. The, the yeah. kind of the, the introduction to worship just kind of get a, get an idea uh, on the sticky part of our brain before we really dig into the worship service of what mm-hmm. the sermon's going to, what shape the sermon's going to take. Yeah. So that was something that was not on the podcast version of the sermon. So maybe run through that again for those that just heard the sermon and not the, that did not see the service or not in church. Yeah, definitely. So this was, um, this actually was an early version of my sermon intro before I found that video off of TikTok and, and downloaded that instead. But I was opening up because this whole this whole week was focused on the idea of faces and like seeking God's face and connecting to God in this intimate way. Um, and it just reminded me so much of the pandemic and what seeking people's faces really meant at that time. Like there were so many just, you know, roadblocks. I mean, it was people sitting in care centers that weren't allowed to have visitors. And, you know, I know the good Sam here in Canton allowed people, you could sit outside their window and like talk to them that way. But that, you know, there was all kinds of these weird and creative ways because we wanted to be with people that badly um, that we figured out. Um, One of the things I was just telling Eric about off mic is that when I was in Burke um, in my previous appointment, um, every Thursday at one o'clock during the pandemic, I would just turn Facebook live on in my pickup and drive the streets of Burke, South Dakota and talk. Um, and like several times what I said, because I had people watching the entire time, which I have no idea why. Because, well, actually, I do know why is because there was nothing else to do, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so like people would like I would say where I was and they'd step out on their on their front porch and we'd wave at each other. And just we were that desperate for connection that even that made sense in the moment. But now that we're, you know, a few years removed from that, it sounds absolutely mind numbingly crazy. You know, mm-hmm. and like I would talk to like during the my during my drive, I'd say, you know, if you're watching this, can you tell me why? Because I have no idea. Like, you know, <laughs> because this is crazy and it's weird. And but it worked. I mean, it was a way to connect with people and it gave us at least something to look forward to because we couldn't. I mean, Burke is a town that, you know, the the pump and stuff and the a coffee shop or like they're just full all the time because there's people in and out that just want to meet up and talk. And it's just, you know, if I would go down to the coffee shop on a normal day in Burke, I could be there for hours and talk to like a dozen different people. And we just didn't have that. We, we, we were so disconnected. Um, you know, and even, even when we could be around each other, we had to either be distanced or wear masks or be mad or, or be distanced and masked. And like, the things that we endured during that time, we were seeking faces, we were seeking connection. And so this whole sermon, this whole idea was around this idea of what does it mean for us to seek this connection with God? Because that's what David was seeking. When we when we meet David, he's going through weird stuff once again because of the life of David. Um, 
And, you know, so what does it mean for David to seek the face of God? And then how do we still continue to seek the face of God? Um, and like hearken back to those things that, you know, and the pandemic made sense, but maybe don't necessarily make sense now that the world is, you know, is what it is now. So, okay. yeah. But I opted to go in a different direction um, about with that little girl at the dance recital and just, you know, the I know that it didn't work on the Facebook Live or the YouTube because our, our, our OBS froze up. And um, but there was a video that I showed and, I, and then I had to edit it out anyway because it had a Disney song underneath of it. Um, mm. But uh, um, it was a, a little girl scanning the crowd of a, at her dance recital and she just looks so sad because she can't find anyone that's there for her. And then she finds her family and then she just melts into these happy tears and little waves and kind of a little happy dance. And it's just, you know, that idea of, again, that idea of seeking someone's face, of knowing that someone's on your side in the midst of stuff and how much of an impact that can have on our lives and on our on, and on our faith when we're seeking God in that way. Yeah. But so Psalms 27 written by David. Mm-hmm. And you had kind of harkened back to Samuel when, when Saul is kind of chasing him and trying to kill him and what that must have been like. So when I'm just curious, when David wrote, when David wrote Psalms, was that when he was the king or when he was planning to be the king or is it some of both? It's definitely some of both. I mean, this is just something that's a part of David's life and David's faith throughout his entire life journey. Um, where he he just needs that outlet to express what's going on and to process what's going on. And those got turned into, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, I was talking with someone during Bible study this last week, and they're just like, it's kind of like reading David's journal. It sometimes feels mm-hmm. kind of weird to read these things that like, we don't know if David intended for them to be what they ended up being, you know, since they're, you know, like there are still some denominations in Christendom that that's all they will sing are Psalms. Like they are, they're that prevalent in our worship. I mean, like, interesting. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, the answer is yes. Um, that, that it's, it's, it's when David's King It's before David's King. It is all throughout David's life that these Psalms were written. Gotcha. So it could have been one of those times when Saul's people are chasing David down, which I'm reading that again right now, which is just fascinating. Oh, yeah. He was so mad. Do you want to run us through what's going on there, maybe? Since we didn't really touch on that in the sermon, we've got extra time now. (laughs) It depends on how far back you want to go. we got to go back a little bit to know why Saul is chasing David. Okay, cool. So the whole thing, like I've written a paper about this in seminary. It was my favorite paper I ever wrote about why the people of God asking for a king was the single worst decision that they ever made because it signaled their level of unfaithfulness. And God said, all right, bet if you want a king that badly, you can have Saul. And, you know, Samuel's like, this is a, this is a bananas idea. God, this is a bad choice. And God says they had the people have to deal with the consequences of their actions. I am giving them exactly what they are asking for. And they are going to see that it's a bad idea. And so Saul rises to become the king and Saul is insecure and jealous and like people having success around him makes him feel so just icky that he reacts and you see it throughout his entire reign as king and you see it specifically and especially with David 
Um, you know, David was very, was, was much more popular. David had befriended Saul's kids. Um, like they ran around together and then like this battle happens between the Philistines and the Israelites and they have the Philistines have this champion named Goliath and no one can touch him. And out of nowhere, David says, all right, cool. Let me try. And Saul's like, okay, so you don't die. Take my armor and take my sword. And, you know, David says, uh, can't move. Sorry. No, I'm going to go out there with my slingshot and that's it. And defeats Goliath, like kills Goliath, chops his head off. Like it's a whole thing. They have a parade of Goliath's head after Goliath falls and people start to say, oh, wow, David's so cool. And Saul says, "Ugh, David. You know, he was able to do this thing that Saul hadn't been able to do. And so the jealousy just grew and grew and grew and grew. And as David became more and more popular, as the people of God had more and more success, it just reached this fever point where Saul says, I have to do something about this guy or I'm no longer going to be the king. And being the king is fun because I like having this power and I like exploiting the people and I like the title and I like the prestige and everything that comes with it. And so Saul does eventually put a bounty on David's head and it never comes to pass. David's very creative and the people are on his side. And so Saul eventually, you know, just dies of being, being old. And then David then takes the throne. So. Well, in the whole, yeah, the, the whole, when Samuel's asking Jesse, mm-hmm. where all, where's your, where's your other son? I mean, that was when God told Samuel that, no, Saul's terrible. You need to make David king. Yep. And be the heir apparent, essentially. Yep. So, yeah, part of that jealousy is that Saul didn't want David to take the throne. Yes. And, yeah. It's just fascinating. Oh, it's such a it's such an interesting, like, it's such a, it's such a deeply human plot in the story of mm-hmm. Scripture. Of just, you know, how much our temporal power can corrupt a person. You know, like Saul had this power and it absolutely just blew his brain. And then David also made some really, really bad choices with the power that he had, you know. And so Mm -hmm. but yet, you know, David, because of David's faithfulness and the way that David turned things around, he's still a man after God's own heart. He's still a person that that is written about as a hero of our faith. And Saul is not because Saul never had that turnaround moment. Saul just died a bitter man. Well, and and I also think, you know, so David's ultra powerful, ultra popular man after God's own heart. And I always feel like people always think that Christianity or, or our faith is for people who are unintelligent, unpopular, Mm. you know, just, just kind of the Mm -hmm. lower class. Yep. It's totally not true. I mean, David's the oh, yeah. perfect example of David's for, I mean, it shows that he's also, God's also for the popular and the, the rich and whatever. Yeah. It's just, what is your heart like? Yep. Oh, we can, I don't know. Everyone, Christianity kind of gets crapped on every once in a while because of, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 maybe the, the rich and the popular and the famous don't feel like they need it, but we all need it. I mean, David is a perfect example of I'll need it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's Karl Marx that's once described religion as the opiate of the masses. Um, That it's, you know, just there to keep us comfortable and compliant and, you know, obedient and 
yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have a whole lot of value for our everyday lives, but yet, you know, to 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 those of us that have that faith, um, believe differently and believe that it's, you know, it's everything to us. I mean, it's the reason why David cries out so often and so intimately um to God and and then by by what by how the psalms have been preserved it gives us language um and permission to reach out to God in that in that very same way yeah i was reading reading good to great by jim collins i think i've mentioned this but anyway he gives a story about a guy who was in a japanese concentration camp during world war 2 he was asked he I can't remember how many years he stayed there but or was in there but he was asking how he got through and why the others didn't get through. And he said, I got through because of faith. Those who did not get through were optimists. Optimists just believed mm-hmm. that they were going to get out just because at Christmas or at New Year, you know, somewhere else. Sure. You no, know, he had faith that he was going to get through because he had his faith in Jesus. And because of his faith in Jesus, he was doing, make, you know, making an effort to get out. He wasn't just sitting back and letting everything happen. Mm. He was, he was taking what God was telling him. It's just like pray and act, right? Right. You can't just pray and do nothing. Yep. You know, the same, same sense. We can't just sit and hope that something better is going to come. We have to take action and just, you know, those that, you know, just for him, his faith is what got him through that and allowed him to take the actions to get out of said concentration camp. So yeah, it's kind of just kind of interesting. That's powerful. Yeah. So how do we well, I think we all know how, but kind of back to that conversation about um being communal and how hard COVID was. Yeah. Um How do we reach the people who don't think they need others? You know, mm. you know, our, we're, we're called to be, you know, we're, we're, we're seeking God's face. We're being supportive of others. There's some people who don't feel like they need it or want it. And what, what do we do in those situations to help them? I don't know. You can't change a person's mind. They change it on their own, but mm-hmm. How can we be examples to them to help them see differently? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the biggest answer that I have to that is just to be consistent. I mean, truthfully, it is just to continue to show up. Um, you know, like you just said, we can't we can't change people's minds. Uh, that's that's not a power that we've that we've been given. Uh, we can we can only control what we can control. Um, and what we can control is how we respond to certain things and how we act. And so the biggest thing that we can do is just to, to continue to show up for people, to show up for, you know, and not that we're being flashy or showy, but we're just out of a out of a genuine response of who we are, you know. We open up our church building um, to to certain things. We say yes when other people have said no within reason. Um, we, you know, as a, as a as a body, those are the things that we do. Um, we 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 take care and, and and we 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 invest in what's going on in the community. We we stay aware of of local issues and and on top of things. And then just we as individuals, we just continue to show up for people. Um, you know, we, we reach out, we say, Hey, we're thinking of you and like, not in a pushy, I'm going to shove religion down your, down your throat kind of a way, but just, you know, I mean, 
I can, I can tell someone, Hey, I'm thinking of you. And like, what I'm doing is praying, but I don't have to tell you that I'm praying. I can just tell you, I'm thinking of you. If I think that prayers, if, if, if I think that me praying for you is going to freak you out, I'll just say, I'm thinking of you, you know, just, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sending good vibes or whatever, you know, po- I'm sending positive, you know, pos- positive energy your way. Like I can call it whatever I want it, uh, whatever I want to call it. But what I'm doing is I'm praying for you. I want you to know that I'm praying for you, um, you know, and then just, you know, just just be that consistent presence. Um, I maybe have told you I've maybe have told this ser- this story in a sermon or I've told this story on the podcast before. But I had a friend in college that just, you know, was one of the nicest people I'd ever met, but just a very committed atheist. Um, and he just, you know, by by me being who I am. Nothing special, nothing crazy, nothing, you know, whatever. But just by me being that consistent presence, he said to me one night, he's like, I am who I am. I believe what I believe, but I watch you and you're different. You're not pushy. You're not shovey. You're just, you're just who you are. And I want to know what makes you so different. Why? And if you can convince me that God exists tonight, I'll believe. And I said, I mean, I just, I had to flat out say, I've got bad news for you. I can't convince you. Like there is an element where this is faith. I am fully aware that I may come to the end of my life and think and find out that I'm wrong. And I'm fine with that because what a life it's been. You know, I can't convince you beyond a shadow of a doubt that God exists. I can tell you my experiences and what in my life and what, and, and then, you know, now that I'm, you know, older, you know, what I've studied, like I can tell you about that kind of stuff. But I can't, I can't convince you that's, that's, that's on you, you know, and, but it's just, I would not have had the opportunity in the first place if I hadn't just been consistently showing up, if I hadn't just been a friend, you know, I think that that is the biggest thing that we can do is just consistently show up for people and then just let God work in the midst of it. And sometimes work, like I've said before in, in prayer and in, in the sermons work in spite of us too, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, we have, we could all be wrong. There yeah. is a chance that that is true. Yes. I don't, obviously, I don't believe that. But Clearly, and same. Like, I, I, I don't believe that I am wrong, but mm-hmm. it could be. It could be that I'm wrong, and that has to be okay at some level. There is a level where this is a faith that we have we have chosen to believe. Exactly. But like we're, I mean, we are more convinced that we are right because of the way that we have sought the face of God through scripture, through prayer, through worship, through, you know, service, through all of these things, through all these avenues. We've been seeking the face of God and we have experienced God's presence in a lot of different ways. Um, and so, yeah, that's 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 just a huge part of it. So like one of the ideas that I brought up at the end of the sermon on Sunday was just the fact that like, you know, Jesus is this great light in our lives. Jesus illuminates our darkness. Jesus is our, you know, is, is our hope and is, you know, a companion when the world, when it feels like the world's against us. Um, and then the what I pivoted to was the fact that when we seek God's face, we shine too. Um, and we we shine with the presence of God. 
And that comes back to an idea from from Moses' story. Um, When he is in the presence of God, when he is receiving the Ten Commandments, when he is that close to to the glory of God, it changes his physical presence, changes his physical appearance. He shines with this divine glow uh, from being with God. That's, and then, you know, people notice that. Um, But maybe without becoming, you know, physically shiny, when we mm-hmm. are the when we have been in the presence of God, we are then then inspired to shine forth for others. Um, and so, just I would wonder, um, Eric, who is a person that has been uh, the light of Christ to you? Who has been a person that has 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 shown out um, in your life in a way that you know kind of came out of nowhere or was unexpected or was just you know uh, an unexpected encouragement to you? So there's a guy I work with. His name is Brian. Yeah. Uh, I've ran a marathon with him and he started at DGR two, two years ago. And, um, I've often told Jenna, like growing up, he and I would have never been friends because he is six, six, 250 pounds and was a starting linebacker for Augustana. And that is not me. I am five, nine and not 250 pounds. So anyway, Um, but he and I have had conversations that I have never had with anyone else Mm -hmm. just about our faith in general. He had a very different path than I've had. I mean, he grew up in a church, but he made some poor decisions, you know, later in life, you know, in the college years, which a lot of people do. And I made, I've made poor decisions my entire life. So not trying to judge him or anything. Yeah, definitely. But kind of straight him away. But then he has since come back. Yeah. And his. Has really, um, really poured his life into his Bible study and everything else. Sure, and it's just been really fascinating just to be able to sit and listen to him talk about his faith and how he's he's gone down the wrong path. He's gone. He's made some poor decisions, and the fact that he's been able to come back mm. is just the the example that I need that like, Hey, I don't want to go down the path that he did. And he still came back here. Right. Knowing, knowing what he knows and the other going the wrong way, there is no reason that I need to go make those decisions. And Mm so, um, so yeah, Brian has been a really good, just person to have those conversations with. It's not a family member. That's just someone else. You You and I have a lot of conversations too, but, but we also come from the same faith background, you know, he he goes to a, a different denomination he grew up in a different denomination so sure it's just it's been fun to kind of have those conversations and and um just to be able to bounce ideas off of each other mm. he actually reads my sermon every time um before i give it just nice for one last one last little look through so um but yeah it's That's it's awesome. so funny you know people come into your life um at just the right time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just think about the friends that I had in college, and had I had different friends, I would have made poorer decisions. Or my bride, who decided to go to SDSU, and like she and I have talked about, I'm a 18 year old boy. I probably would have made poorer decisions had she not been to Brookings. So. <laughs> but you know what i mean i mean yeah for sure and that's what we're there for for each other yep 
you know, it's, um, she'll say that I help her through a whole bunch of stuff, which I don't know that I believe her, but whatever she's, she can say what she wants. But, but the truth is, I mean, we're always, we can be the light to others and others can be the light to us at different parts of, you know, different times in our life and just how that can, how we can complement each other in that way. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm so glad that you guys have that friendship and that bond, um, not just running and, you know, all the marathons and stuff, but you know, that, that bond of faith as well. That's huge. Well, we've, we've hugged shirtless. So our bond is really a lot tighter. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, how about for you? Who, who was yeah. an unexpected, unexpected light in your life? Sure, definitely. Um, this happened just recently. Um, I have a colleague and friend in, uh, from seminary. She graduated a few years before me, but her name is Cindy. Um, and she is going to be commissioned as a provisional deacon at annual conference uh, this year, which is very, very exciting. It's been kind of a long process for her. Um, but just I was having a rough week a couple weeks ago and just kind of out of the blue. Um, she said, hey, you've been on my heart. Are you doing okay? Um, she sent me a Facebook message and it just meant the world to me because at the moment I was pretty stressed out about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, kids were sick and just things were weird. And, you know, we were kind of kicking around an idea that ended up getting, you know, talked about during leadership and, and we didn't die. Um, but it was just, it was, it was, we were struggling with a lot. I was struggling with a lot of stuff and it was just, it was just the most well-timed moment uh, that was mo the most well-timed message of just, Hey, you've been on my heart when I've been praying and I just want to make sure you're good. Like, are you good? And just, that was enough to just be such a, and then the subsequent conversation was just enough to just be such a source of encouragement of just, you know, knowing that I'm not alone. Um, and also just from someone that gets it in a way that is, that is different because it's another fellow clergy person I'm reaching out um, because, you know, there are just, there are amazing, amazing lay people that understand the life of a pastor, but just there's, there's a, there's a level where in just other clergy just get each other a little bit better. I think it would be the same in any really uh, other field of work um, where you just, you know, your colleagues or people that are in the same, you know, business as you as an engineer, like, Either there's a shorthand or there's a there's just a, there's a common language um, but behind what you guys do um, and just in the life of the church pastors, it can sometimes be very lonely. Um, and so just for another pastor to recognize, hey, are you OK? Um, yeah. And I, I, I completely believe that's a that's a Holy Spirit working thing of just. God calls to our minds people that we need to reach out to. And I just happened to be that person that day. And it just meant the world to me. So. That's cool. Well, so what do we got going on next week? To be third week of Lent. Third week of Lent, uh, third week in the Psalms, uh, continuing the sermon series um, on pausing and noticing a different uh, different rhythm. Um, and so we are going to be turning our attention to Psalm 63. Um, this is a different Psalm. Um, kind of feel like, the last couple of weeks have been just kind of David randomly whining about stuff. 
Um, and then <laughs> this is David, and not really randomly, but like there, this is this is grounded in a concrete situation. We just don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, both Psalms 25 and 27 are, are times of David's life where he's been in, in hardship. But 63 is a psalm where there is good stuff happening. And David is expressing his thankfulness for the many blessings of God. Um, and so we have the opportunity to, to return thanks on Sunday, uh, to notice the places in life where we have been blessed and notice those that being blessings from the very hand of God. Um, and then just, you know, how do we then turn around and be a blessing to others as well? Um, and then we also have the opportunity, because it is the first Sunday of the month, uh, to be blessed with communion and talk about, you know, the blessings of the blessings of Jesus, the blessing that Jesus is in our lives, not just in his death and resurrection, but in his enduring promise to be with us always, um, that is proclaimed in our communion liturgy, but also throughout our entirety, the entirety of scripture. And so we'll be reflecting on our blessedness and what that means before God and just what that means as we are then, then as, as we are then empowered uh, to go and bless others as well. So it should be good. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us in this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week at 10 a.m. at church, uh, online on, on Facebook Live, or back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.